Today is Wednesday, September 20th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today we talk about Andy Stanley having the gay-affirming, gender-affirming, whatever it is, conference coming up. So another one bites the dust. Um, so apparently this giant megachurch with a, uh, you know, a Christian, at some point, traditional Christian background that's, I guess, taken steps away, um, is really taking a step away and having a gender-affirming conference for parents and teens and children who are LGBTPS-oriented. Um, so um, that's going to take place. We talk a little bit about the state of that and being biblically accurate. And then we talk about uh, who is not a witch. Someone meets a witch. Uh, do, quote, witches have real power? Can they mess with the day of a Christian? Um, are they going to make you like turn into a newt? Or can they just like, uh, you know, do hexes have any power? Which gets us into demonic possession. And, you know, we talked about that some before. We talk about it again. And then we uh, go off talking about other stuff. So enjoy this podcast. Share the links. Check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. And check out the Ask a Christian store. Support this podcast. Keep us talking in civil discussions with people and sharing the gospel with people on the internet. People need Jesus. Until next time, take care. These types of slides into dissent always start with lady pastors and devolve into that until apostasy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, horses say that at. It's like halfway down the uh, Let's see. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, Andy Stanley Church is going to host an LGBTPS affirming conference with Al Mower. Uh, and Al Mower has thoughts. I don't know who that is either. Who's Al Mower? The author Al Mohler is a famous um, Southern Baptist theologian. He he is the president of Southern Baptist Seminary. Yeah, Al Mohler is um, he was the guy who who was giving Rick Warren a lot of kickback over the whole uh, lady pastor ah. issue. But but then Rick Warren would probably be not cool with this at least for another five or six years. Yeah, I, I don't see Rick Warren going that far off as of yet. Imagine, if you will, trying to be cool in 2023 by deconstructing the Bible and affirming the gays, Stanley's Northport community, blah, blah, blah. I, I read this last night, but it is just, ah, I, I don't even know what to say, man. I don't even know what to say. It's crazy. Like uh, the, the, this middle space, um, this middle space, you will, okay, let's see, um, is hosting uh, unconditional, um, the unconditional conference, a two-day event, blah, 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 for parents of LGBTPS children. Uh, and ministry leaders looking to discover ways to support parents and LGBTQPS children in their churches, uh, blah, blah, blah. You will be equipped, refreshed, and inspired as you hear from leading communicators on topics that speak to your heart, soul, and mind, the website says. We deeply desire this time to bring about healing and restoration. No matter what theological stance you hold, we invite you to listen, reflect, and learn as we approach this topic from the quieter middle space. This middle space is where they, um, the author goes on, this middle space is where they pretend to be taller of anyone, blah, blah, blah. But it gets into, um, it gets into like just the fact that they're like using the same language and the same like, you know, terminology is already a giveaway. And I agree, right? Because like, that's, that's where they like want to be like, okay, well, if you use our terms, boom, like we, we've got like a foothold and then it just like goes from there. Well, it's kind of like what you were saying, Chris, um, the, uh, that, that one time it was like the people who, what was it like theological a or B and it's like, well, you know, I'm not a person who, you know, struggles with sin, not talking about myself, like for the person in question, like this person isn't someone who struggles with sins of homosexuality. Um, 
or they they say they may struggle with sins of homosexuality, but they are a Christian. Their identity is in Christ, which would probably be the proper way to be a Christian and still fight your sin battles. Like I am a Christian, my identity is in Christ, yet I have homosexual urges or sins or stuff like that that I have to war against. Um, versus, no, I'm totally a homosexual dude, um, and Christ is cool. I'm just celibate. It's like. It, words matter, right? So if you take that position, it's like, well, where, where are you saying your identity is? Your identity is not in Jesus. Your identity is you are a gay dude and and like a celibate gay dude. I don't know. Someone translate me. Like, I and get that, what he's saying. Nate, if someone clipped that part of you saying that. There's worse. <laughs> so, so, Nate, this conference is for the parents who have gay children? Is that... Um, let's see. It looks like it's for the whole family. Uh, for parents of children. Um... It doesn't say it in the article, maybe, but like it's definitely for everybody. So like all of the, the kids that are being talked about are invited as well. So there isn't any possibility that they're marketing this to this community, but they're still going to take a biblical approach in terms of how they teach it. We just think that's off the table as a possible. Yes, because that's what the teachers I, yeah. that they have, in, have had are all people who have ministries that affirm homosexuality. Yeah, so, like I was trying to be, I was trying to like be really generous and, and I just can't get there because it says things like, um, well, no matter what theological stance you take, so, you know, gay is the way, God's cool with gays, Queen James Bible. Well, that's a theological stance. So apparently that's cool. And it's, the whole thing is talking about affirming. So like, you know, what's the big thing? It's like gender affirming care, gender affirming this, like affirm everyone's pronouns. Like, so if they're, if they're saying it's going to be like this affirming experience that they keep repeating, it's like, there, there's, no, there's no way, like the only way you can't have that. It, it's like, um, Wow, words are escaping me. But it's the other way from what you would expect. If they're like, no, if they're if they're going to be like, okay, well, we understand this, we understand this, but God has a better way, or this is a biblical way. Well, that wouldn't be very, very affirming, would it? So if they're if it's going to be an affirming seminar, it's going to be like, great, whatever you think, we affirm you. You know, otherwise I they, think, they'd have to um... rename it. I think someone should do a similar conference, but just without the affirming aspect. I think this idea of connecting with parents who may have gay children would be a fascinating and I think helpful conversation, but obviously not from this affirming perspective. But I hope someone else will take what they've done and, and do it in a more biblical Oh, yeah, CEO. Yeah, if you just read the article, yeah, I guess I didn't paste it. But yeah, this is full of it. Like, I'm just screwing through. It's like, yeah, like Chris was saying, like, scheduled speakers for the event include two men who are married to each other. Um, and, like, yeah, both men are what we describe in same-sex marriages, blah, blah, blah. He argues on legitimacy for um, same-sex relationships. Yeah, so there's no way around it. Another one. Oh, well. Dust and done. Another one. Another one. Hey, Rana, what's up? Do you have anything just, to say about all this? All I just wanted to say is I appreciate CEO's attempt at uh, charity, and I think that it's great. <laughs> you have Thank come you, a Chris. long ways in 12 hours. <laughs> what's going on, Nate? No, I don't, I don't know what you guys are talking about yet. I just um, raised my hand because the sound is really low unless I'm on stage when I'm in my car. I don't know why, but... 
So I just posted an article in the chat. This one is uh, Ministry Watch, and there's uh, someone. Oh uh, gosh, what's it? Jeff Johnson, a gender issues analysis and staff writer on Focus on the Family. He addresses kind of exactly what we're talking about right here. So I just posted that in the chat. That's pretty good. See, this is why Little Deer is my spirit animal, is because we read, read the same websites. I would be willing to bet Little Deer also reads Protestia and uh, Reformation Charlotte or Dissenter. <laughs> I like research, Chris. You 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 are much better at it, but I do like to read. Well, that's all we had today. <laughs> See if Marquise is bringing something to the table. Hey, Marquise, what's up? So I met a witch yesterday. Was it Chris? It wasn't Chris. It wasn't Chris. We talked about the possibilities that he is a man-witch. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's a, so that sounds like a good snap. Go. <laughs> yeah, I have to have some sloppy joes soon, though. Have you guys... You met a witch or someone claiming to be a witch? Oh, wait, you actually, like, met a real witch? Like, not talking about, like, the crap we were giving Chris? Like, you, you no, really, like, no, no. met someone... No, no, no. Legit, legit someone... I was, uh... I was at work yesterday... Um, it was before the afternoon room, and I, I it, there was so much going on, I didn't even think to mention that as a new topic, Nate. Isn't that crazy? But yes, um, I wouldn't, I, I believe anybody who said that they were a witch. I mean, I wouldn't find any reason to not believe them, saying, if you're going to say you're a witch, you're probably a witch. Uh, but maybe not in like the, <laughs> the crazy drinking goat's blood sense, but then also... You know, you never know. The world is nuts, right? Um, but the point being, I was at work, <laughs> and they called me to cover another class. Uh, so I had to walk over to the uh, middle school building and, um, you know, sit in one of the eighth grade classes because there's one of the teachers that's out in the sub wasn't there yet. So they asked me to cover the class for half of my planning period. Go figure, right? Helping people out is what we do. And the person that was coming to replace me for the second half of that class so that I could actually have my planning period. Uh, there was like some recent incident at the school or whatever, and she'd gotten written up and said, you know, like it was and in a hurt in, in I won't say in her defense, because I'm not defending the witchcraft. Uh, but in terms of the incident, it was a bogus write up. It's like, really? Administration? That's stupid. Anyway, um, so the point is, she started looking for other places of employment because she felt like, you know, the, Wait, the school they, they wrote her up for being a witch? No, they wrote her up for something else entirely. An incident with a student that I believe she handled so, correctly as a teacher would, but they wrote her up for something that was a super bogus, like, secondary where does the witch part come in? to that. The witch part comes in where she says she was looking for another place of employment, oh. and she said, you know, <laughs> she figured that, hey, uh, she was like, you know, she dabbles in the Wawa, and I said, the what? I'm like, what? Uh, what? What are you talking about? And she says, oh, yeah, witchcraft. And I'm like, okay. And I start picking up my things and heading towards the door <laughs> so that I could go to my planning anyway or finish, you know, my planning period anyway. And she was like, yeah. So, And she's having this conversation super loud in front of the little eighth grade kids who are hopefully not paying attention and, like, talking and laughing and doing something else. 
Um, this is the case where I would hope they were distracted. But she was like, yeah, you know, um, I like burned a candle over a coin and then kept it in my pocket and something else like that. And she was like, and, and I got like a phone call from, you know, one of the jobs I was looking at. And so that, you know, maybe it worked. And she was like, hey, that's how I got this job. I like, you know, said a little incantation and blew cinnamon through a doorway and spoke the name of this school. And then the next day I got hired. So, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to do that tonight for this next job and see what happens. Um, and I'm like, okay. The hoop of this. Like, legit. So wait, you, be, you, you believe you believe her that she's actually a witch because she made that claim? I believe anyone who says that they're a witch and proceeds to tell me what manner of incantations and rituals they do to yeah, but, but you, manipulate you the natural world. That, like, you do realize that like, there are a lot of people who classify themselves as witches or Wiccans, and they're just like quirky, weird people that do these things that make them more comfortable, you know, these like incant, quote-unquote incantations that have absolutely no, like, discernible uh, representation in reality. It's just them doing, you know, stupid little things that don't really make a difference and then attributing what happens in their life to those things. Well, I think I, 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 well, like, I, I, I don't think Well, I think I get what you're saying, Marquise. I think, you're, I, I think Marquise, I think if, I can, if, I can, if I can interpret you, <laughs> like, you know, if someone says they're a Satan worshiper, I'm not going to be like, well, do you blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you, you spiritually aligned yourself. Good job. So, like, what, if they're like, I'm a witch. Uh, can you turn people to newts? Can you make pencils float? Doesn't matter. You've, identi you've identified yourself spiritually um, with a witch. So for all intents and purposes, you may not be able to do hexes or magic spells or make black cats fly, but you're a witch and you've spiritually identified yourself with that. So icky. And then not just, not just the, um, I won't say allegation or accusation, not just the proclamation, but you've demonstrated something You've demonstrated an attempt to use rituals to manipulate the natural world by supernatural means, which is the definition of magic. Like the most basic definition of magic is attempting to manipulate the natural world by supernatural means or control the natural world by supernatural means. So if you're going to say a witch is someone who practices witchcraft and she does this ritual with the intent to manipulate the natural world and calls it witchcraft. I'm going to take her for a word. Um, and if they spell magic with a J, definitely a witch. <laughs> oh, and with a K at the end. Don't forget the oh, K. Oh, yeah, yeah. Magic. What did yeah, she, what did I, what she say she was a Christian also? Did you ask her that? No. She could be a Christian witch. Yeah, yeah. There's that, there's that brand going on <laughs> around. Yeah. Uh, the Magic of Jesus. There's a book on Amazon. Somebody sent me a book that said... Check out this craziness, and yeah, there's a bunch of people calling themselves Christian witches. They have been for some years now, but there's like a swarm, probably because it's near Halloween, a swarm of like Christian witchcraft books, you know, tarot cards for Christians and believers, like legit, it says that on the title. It's like, it's wild. So yeah. There's well, when I, when I, when I, what I'm more curious on your side, though, is like, do you think that she actually has magic powers to influence those things? Or you just think that she like does silly little things and believes that it works. I would say undecided. And I would say that one is not a prerequisite for the other. Um, and I would say I would classify her as a witch, whether she's good at it or not. I'd classify her as a witch, 
whether she is actually effective in her witchcraft, if it's meaningful, or if she's just, you know, trying to fake read palms or whatever. All of those, whether it's whether it's effective or not in reality in terms of manipulating the world, if she's attempting to do so and aligning herself in that way, that is what constitutes... Well, I guess, do you think that anybody is able to influence reality via spells and incantations? Like, do you think that there's anybody in the world that has that ability to actually yes. do actual... Yes. No, that. I do yes. not believe that. Um, I do not believe that. I would say... Didn't the pharaoh's magicians perform some similar things as commit to what Moses did? No, they, they did a fake... It's implied in the scripture it was not a supernatural trick. Um, and, and you don't see non-believers in Yahweh or anything else doing anything supernatural. You cannot point to a single thing that is supernatural in the scriptures that somebody who is who is not serving Yahweh is doing. So like somebody can be demon possessed and they can use lies. The only weapon that the enemy has is lies. Well, what about and the so uh, thing I think Mark was it Marquise was, and by the way, guys, I don't know. I came here on like a ton of crosstalk. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Someone's got echoes and stuff like that, too. So, I don't know, but it's making me crazy. But, Marquise, were you about to talk about the person where Paul got annoyed because she was following him around, like, you know, uh, like telling him about Jesus and stuff like that? And that was the fortune traders, right? So, Chris, the, the person that was like, you know, possessed and they were using her for like fortunes, was she just really good at reading people, like, in a natural level? Or does she have some spiritual insight to like tell people, you know, their stuff and make the people lots of money? Right. So, so again, like the, the scripture, the scripture never assigns anything supernatural to her. It just says that she was possessed by a demon and the demon was giving out fortunes. Do we know if any of these fortunes are true? No, you don't find that in the scripture. Do we know? But we don't know. They the, were. Well, they were but making again, money. Yeah. But again, they were making money. Sure. But, you know, the Oracle at Delphi was making money. Do we think that there was anything supernatural about that? No, it was a bunch of people sitting in volcanic gas. So, I mean, you know, the, the idea that, again, you cannot, you cannot build a scriptural case for Satan or, or fallen angels doing anything supernatural outside of lies and also outside of them having access to the spiritual world in terms of, you know, them traveling around or however they travel around in a spiritual manner. Can we, you know, so, well, can I, can I clarify that? Can you read that? Since since you Hold on. Since, what about since you mentioned Satan, uh, I was going to ask, what about when God told Satan that he could go and, you know, torture Job? Again, you know, the calamity that came upon Job is not supernatural. It was all natural calamity. You know, again, what I'm saying is that demons and Satan does not do not have the power. They are creations. They are contingent beings just like us. They do not have the power to do the supernatural outside of having access to the spiritual realm and whatever knowledge that entails. Um, and you know, being eternal beings, they probably have IQs of 5,000 that we can't even comprehend. Um, you know, and, and 
other than that, that their, their tools are lies and you can't find anywhere else in the scripture that they have any tool besides deception because they are creatures, not, they are not the God of the universe. Satan is not a lesser God that is at war with Yahweh and can do the same types of miracles. He can only do the counterfeit, i.e. lies. Wait, wait, I, I'm going to start clearing the stages. <laughs> like, we got to have one person at a time, and that's probably mostly going to be me. But <clears throat> to split the difference, is it fair to say, Chris, that these 5,000 million IQ demons, they can't do supernatural stuff from your perspective, but they could totally be like, you know, roaming around and pull like an, I know what you did last night trick. Not because they have supernatural insight, but because, I don't know, they were there peeking through the windows because demons. Is that fair? Sure. Yeah. Demons can lie. Yeah. What, what about uh, the example uh, that somebody just presented, though, with Job, right? The, the things uh, that happened to Job were, were natural, but they were influenced, I mean, biblically by the supernatural, by Satan's influence to have these events happen to him. You know, his building burning down, his livestock being affected by disease, his, his children dying, right? Like these things, even though they're natural right they, they were influenced by the supernatural to to happen right so obviously there was some kind of power beyond just lying there right it, no. well i think that's yeah. a different category like it, uh, i mean yeah uh, hang on i, I heard, i've heard you was it luke or that was brandon. i've heard luke for a while let's see what luke has to say was, i thought that was brandon but that time was brandon but luke's been trying to get in for a while and he's the only one i actually haven't heard speak what's up luke did you want to say anything I, no, I, I was just saying, uh, you know, this is kind of just disregarding all, uh, uh, you know, evidence for demonic possession that we see and all the testimony of, uh, you know, modern exorcists and right and all the exorcisms that have taken place in church history, uh, which all kind of detail, um, you know, supernatural elements uh, being, being attributed to, to the influence of the demonic. Yeah, I would say that all of that is nonsense. That we is we have the Bible as our source of truth, and I really don't care what some monk in the eighth century said about an exorcism. Exorcisms are only for Jesus and the apostles. Um, they were considered a sign and a wonder, and Christians do not have the power to exorcise demons. Only the gospel of Christ can exorcise demons. Again, there you. If anybody can find me biblical passages where we have instructions on how to cast out demons, I'm waiting right here. And by the way, I've been waiting for 30 years to give somebody to have somebody give me those biblical passages on how Christians have instructions to cast out demons. Okay. Now, Chris, yeah. let's go through what we practiced yesterday. And this is where we'll say, uh, I understand there is a great deal of uh, disagreement on this topic. So I will wait, as I have for three decades, if someone can prove me biblically, blah, blah, blah. Um, at this point, we simply disagree. Okay. Sure. Well, no problem. Well, Question, Nate. Wait a minute. Nah, hang on, Brandon. Yeah, I, I was just going to say Act 16. And uh, as a relate... Oh, wait. Okay, okay, let, let me just say one thing first. Yeah, when someone yeah. wants proof, no one's going to get proof in a way they're going to accept. That, like, Yeah, when someone's like, show me proof. Everyone already knows the same arguments and proof everyone's going to use, and no one's going to be convinced. So I, do, I don't want to get in that because we'll be here all day. But anyways, go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, I was going to say in Acts 16, uh, 16, and just, you know, we, we just clearly reading it, I guess, it's, and again, I'm not saying that uh, 
the battle between good and evil is like one god against uh, another god. I think that's uh, giving the devil way too much credit. But I am saying there could be things happening in the spirit realm that could be a little bit over our pay grade as far as what we understand. Uh, but it, it says, now as we were going to a place of prayer, slave girl met us who had a spirit that enabled her to foretell the future by supernatural means. She brought her owners a great profit by foretelling, uh, fortune telling. She followed behind Paul and uh, kept uh, and kept crying, uh, excuse me, crying out. These men are servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She came to do continue to do this for many days, but Paul became greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her at once. But when uh, her owner saw their hope of profit was gone, they seized her, seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace. Seems that the spirit that was, of course, uh, possessed this poor young lady enabled her to do something that she did not naturally have the means to do. And to me, it, that seems pretty cut and dry that however one would want to cut it, how these demons were, however they were empowering this young lady to do it, that she was doing something that was giving her an ability to do something that she could not naturally do. And also, I would be curious, as it relates to demonic spirits, uh, Chris, from, from your viewpoint, do you believe like after like the cannon was sealed, like all the demonic spirits went away or like, you know, they just went into hiding? Like what happened to them? No, I think that demon possession was still like a big deal. Um, but I think that um, people had demons cast out of them when they repented and believed. Um, I think that uh, when we see in the scripture that demons are cast out, it is always said to be a sign and a wonder. Again, you know, there's a great book about this by Jim Osman. Um, it's called Truth or Territory, and it takes all of the modern kind of, and I hate to say charismatic nonsense, but that is what it is. Um, about demonology and all of these other things that people think that they know about the supernatural. It simply isn't biblical. It's just made up by, quote, you know, like Peter, people like, uh, what's his name? Peter, uh, oh, I can't remember his name. He's like one of the NAR apostles. So most oh, of yeah. what, what most Christians think of when they think of spiritual warfare is a bunch of nonsense that are made up by NAR apostles and they just don't know it because it's filtered down to the mainstream church. Well, I will say you definitely fit the Calvinist bill. Um, <laughs> but Brandon, did you, was that your take on supernatural or did it specifically say supernatural means in the, you know, no, it's, I'm reading out the NET. Uh, it says a uh, supernatural means. Yeah. So, so I mean, again, Demons have access to the spiritual world. Yes, that's Acts 16, 16. So um, demons have access to the supernatural world. Like Apostle said in the chat, I don't think that they were they were necessarily telling the future, but they can use lies. And so they knew that she was possessed by a spirit. Like people knew that people had unclean spirits, right? Like we see this in the New Testament. Like other people could see that other people had unclean spirits. Um and then when they cast out the unclean spirit, they could obviously tell that she didn't have the unclean spirit. This is what was giving her the lies to tell people to be a fortune teller. Um, so, yeah, I, I do not think that modern fortune tellers can actually tell the future. Um, I do not think that uh, people who are um, even demon-possessed can tell the future. I think that um, they have, again, 5,000 IQs. They can be real cognizant of everything around them. Um you know, and so they can do a lot of really neat lies. 
um, that would be very convincing. I think there's some terminology there. Like you're talking, you're, you seem to be focused on future telling, which I, I, I would actually agree with that. But I think everyone else is focused on like commonly understood, like fortune telling. So, I mean, if you want to, if you want to like use them like as the same thing and say, well, you know, fortune means future, but I think there's a distinguishment there that should be made. So, you know, they, they don't know, like, yeah, I don't think spiritual entities know the future other than what God says, like they're going to be burning in hell forever. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think they know or can predict the future in that sense. But as far as like fortunes, like, yeah, very smart IQs or something like that. And it would be supernatural because they are not a natural being. So I don't know. This is where I would exercise like a healthy amount of grace and just be like, we have some differences that if you really want to dial down into it, we can talk about, which I guess we are now. But I wouldn't like, you know, condemn someone super hard if they're like, you know, she was possessed and they were telling fortunes and futures because I mean, it's very vague general terms they're using. So I'd be like, well, if you want to be specific, then I, I agree with Chris on that. Like they don't know the future. Um, they can't predict things, but they're really smart and they are a supernatural being. They're not a physical manifestation. They are spiritual in nature. So, I mean, that's close enough to that line that I would just have a healthy dose of grace and be like, sure, as long as you don't like go super deep, then that's good enough. Yeah, I mean, is I, that too is that too amicable? No, that's great, and I, and I don't think anybody and an apostle. I, I know you don't think this, but like, I don't think demons can do things like resurrect the dead or heal people. Definitely. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So like, what are we talking about with supernatural when it boils down to it? All demons have to offer are lies. Right. So that's why, that's why second Corinthians 10 is about casting down imaginations and, you know, taking every thought in captivity to Christ. Uh, Marquise, do you want to say something? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, um, I'm I'm with Chris there when I when when the reason I brought up Acts 16 when the reason I originally brought it up was because um, of the perspective. What am I? I want to make sure I got my train of thought. Um, I brought up Acts 16 16 because in that situation, right? So lies, I get it. Demons can't definitely lie. I'm definitely with you there. I think demons can also tell the truth or use the truth to cast a wider net of. Thank you, Burton, um, of deception. And I'm definitely in agreement that their main goal, their main you know, tool is going to be deception. So if you look at this slave girl in Philippi, she's using the truth to cast a greater deception that, you know, the implication is that she's accurate, that she's, you know, uh, effective. He's a bullseye Right, like Sue saying, she's accurate. But when she says the thing that she says about them, it is accurate. They are telling, they are planning to tell the people about the path to salvation. They are proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ, but she doesn't know who they are. The only way that she would know that is because the demon that possesses her tells her to tell people that, you know, so it's it's knowledge that she doesn't immediately have access to from her experience or her knowing of them and knowing who they are. She's not acquainted with them. She follows them around and the demon has knowledge of the fact that, you know, these apostles are about to preach the gospel, which is going to lead people to salvation. So the demon passes that knowledge to her. So she gets that knowledge by supernatural means. And when Paul hears it, he says, okay, you're, he's annoyed because, uh, you know, other translations like the KJV will say that he knew 
that she was speaking these things by an evil spirit. So the evil spirit is the agent of her knowing this knowledge. That's the point. And so when I'm thinking about modern, when I'm thinking about modern day witchcraft, I'm not thinking about people being able to resurrect the dead or those different things. Sure, they're using these other forces to exercise these. The point is that they're they are communing with the evil spirits who are maybe doing these or carrying out these other actions. And so they're doing it sort of in their spiritual bubble, which we can't see. You know, if somebody levitates a table, there might be a demon picking it up and our natural eyes just can't see that spectrum. So we don't see the little demon picking up the table. But there is, it's not, you know, the table's floating on its own. There's a demon picking up the table. They're just accessing that to make that happen before someone else's eyes who can't see it because they are not in the spiritual world, because God didn't grant them an open vision or something like that. So I'm, I'm throwing the things out there because I'm going to have to walk. Point being, I'm, I'm with Chris in the sense that they don't have the same power that God has, but I'm also wanting to make the claim that they are still doing things technically by supernatural means. And by supernatural, I just mean other than natural. The people involved are not doing the things the spirits they're communicating with are doing the things. And just to be clear, you don't think that some witch can cast a curse on a Christian and that that's going to have any effect whatsoever, correct? Like they don't have that kind of supernatural power. They don't have access to that supernatural power. I don't. As he's wearing his clove of garlic around his neck right now. <laughs> it was, uh, it, it was, we had it growing up in our organization. It was, a. um, it was an area where it was a lot of witchcraft going on. And I'm sure this has happened in a lot of other areas, but they had got a chicken uh, that was dealing with uh, some voodoo. And they was trying to hex the bishop. And, uh, and Bishop John Vincent, big tall man. And you know what I did, saints? I got that chicken, and I took it off my front porch, and I cut it up, and I fried that chicken, and I blessed it in Jesus' name. And I ate it. <laughs> <laughs> he prepares mean, uh, a table before. Do, you do. Oh my goodness! What you do? Yeah, I guess my my two questions around this would be one: um, Why does Paul specifically um, say something against witchcraft in Galatians five twenty? And then also, Pharaoh's magicians. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they turned a staff into a snake. I thought. So I can address both those things. When he says, who has bewitched you, it's just a figure of speech. Okay, so, and, and yeah, Do yeah. The snake one. Do the snake one. So the snake one is, so again, if you, if you look at the text, it doesn't say that they actually performed a miracle. It's just that they performed a similar trick. And so, you know, they would have seen Moses in the court and then they would have scrambled and they would have been, they would have had access to, I mean, it's, Egypt, there's snakes all over the place. So they would have just, all they would have done is like, you know, perform a magic trick like Harold would perform. Or David Copperfield Copperfield and perform, you know, this, this feat of magic. Okay. But like the, when you get later on and the magicians are, and, 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 uh, you know, Pharaoh, like keep reading, like again, with the Bible, just keep reading, right? So these guys don't have any actual satanic supernatural power because once the plagues start, Pharaoh goes to the magicians and says, hey, can you do anything about this? And they're like, mm, no. 
you know. Okay, so I'm with you on that one, but going back to Galatians, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleansiness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. So why is witchcraft specifically named by Paul in this verse? So let's look at the actual, let's look at the Greek underlying text. So what was the verse again? It was um, Galatians 5, 19 and 20. Also, before uh, after you respond to that, Chris, I'd like to uh, give an answer to the question you asked me. I didn't get a chance to, but I'd like to give a, an answer. Oh, what was the question? You asked me, you said, uh, do I believe that, you know, witches can, like, cast spells on Christians and, like, curse them or something like that? Oh, yeah, go for it. I mean, I just, I found the verse, but yeah, go ahead. Right, so short version, I don't believe that it's going to be effective. I believe they can try to do, you know, whatever they want to do. But I don't believe that it'll be effective in the sense of like, ooh, now I have warts on my feet because this person, you know, threw some weird special sand on me. No, I don't think that's the case. But I also, but I also believe that whatever you know forces they may be communicating with can, in whatever way possible, attempt to, in some degree, oppose that believer in some sense. And when I say to some degree, I mean to whatever degree God would allow, like in the situation with Job, you know, um, that spirit attempts uh, or petitions God for Job, or actually more Job, God sort of offers him up. Have you considered Job? Uh, And he says, you know, all these different things. And he says, hey, demon, you can do this. You can do that. You can touch this. You can touch that. But don't touch this. And then these things start to happen. Yes, you already addressed it. They are natural things, but they are uh, motivated by the influence of these, you know, this supernatural force. I think in whatever way God would allow, even potentially for the believer, there may be some situation where this malevolent force opposes that believer. But I think it's going to be, you know, in a situation I don't think it's going to be, you know, the immediate, oh, bibbity bobby boo you have five toes, or you have six toes. You already have five toes. You, you have six toes. <laughs> Mark, Mark. What if I had Marcus, four toes before? Marquis, let me help you out. You sound like you're tiptoeing around so you don't get chastised by Chris. Chris, being a no, free no, spirit, be, being the free spirit I, I am, I mean, I'm with, Mar- I'm with you, Marquis. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I do believe, you know, I'm using vague terms. Uh, like, you know, spiritual oppression or something like that. Or so, like, I think if some coven of witches, maybe Steph's neighbors, uh, gets it in for me, they could, like, do their little prayers to the dark one or whatever. And I don't know if that's like a beacon or they're like, hey, instead of going into, you know, messing with all these pigs over here, go to, you know, Nate because he's a big problem for you. So, like, I don't know if they can, like, put a bullseye on someone or guide and be like, hey, you know, why don't we uh, why don't we direct your attention over here? So I don't think they're yeah like Marky says I don't think you're gonna get warts in your face, but you know you could um, especially if you know it's happening like you know the um, when a lot of times you know like preachers are having revivals or something like that and there's like a coven of witches who declare that they're doing hexes against it. Um, so I think it can affect you either totally naturally, like psychosomatically, because you're a preacher and you're like, oh, well, I mean, it doesn't feel good, whether you believe it or not. If there's like a thousand, quote, witches uh, doing hexes against you, that doesn't feel good. So even if there is no, nothing supernatural or demonic about it, um, it can get in your head and mess with you on a completely natural human level or uh, up to like, you know, however we would say spiritual oppression, not possession, that type thing. Um, I don't know if there's a bunch of like bad juju around you. Um, I mean, demons got to be somewhere. I mean, Witchful if they're a hundred, if they're, <clears throat> if they're a hundred feet away from you, 
it's probably not as bad as if they're like passing by you six inches away while they're going to do their demon thing. I don't know. So in some world, yeah, I think it can matter. Is it completely naturally because it's in your head and you psych yourself out? Or is it like, I don't know, like uh, some demon passes through you and you're like, ooh, what was that? Ah, demons. Anyway. What we need to talk about is witchcraft and apologetics. So we need to talk about it because that's, that's what it, where a lot of this really is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, uh, CEO520, uh, so idolatry, so, and then the next word, sorcery in the LSB, and that's an interesting word because it's the word pharmakia. Drugs. Drugs. So, and, and so to get a little bit more into what that meant in the New Testament was people participating in pagan worship. One of the things that people would do and again, I'm not trying to bag on my charismatic friends, but one of the things that they would do is they would go into these trance-like states assisted by drugs um, that were available with temples, and then they would go into incoherent babbling or glossolalia um, and have an ecstatic experience. And so this type of sorcery or witchcraft is participating in pagan ritual. Whoa, what kind of kid? Now, I, I already don't like charismatics, Chris, but goodness gracious of life. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if, I, I don't know if, like, we're using that word. You keep using that word. Like, I don't know if glossolalia, like, even if innocently attributed to people trying to, uh, you know, speak in tongues to glorify God, um, is the same exact scenario. You'd be like a bunch of people, like, you know, uh, drugged out in trances babbling. Um, while technically you may say glossolalia, the intent would be severely different. I would Ob- submit that. Absolutely. So um, more charitable Chris would say that um, my charismatic and Pentecostal friends no, that uh, have, do don't, yeah, don't throw you under the bus, that we have a private prayer language. Well, all except for Bible machine. We don't know what he's been smoking. So, um, but... Uh, I would not, yeah, Nate, I would not include them in the idea of pagan worship. That's not my intention. So thank you for allowing me to clarify. That is a very generous. Are we making progress? I think we're making progress. That's a very generous Chris right there. I have a question. New study finds link between common hair product dye and cancer. Uh, the more women who are using this hair dye, uh, can trace their cancer back to this product. Um, is this God's curse for women who are adorning themselves in silver and gold and and not being humble and covering their heads with scarf? Is um, cancer from these products they're doing um, to be worldly and not modest? God's curse? Are you to my perms? <laughs> I'm talking about hair dye. It's mostly a joke, but I mean, I don't oh. know. How, lo- how much longer can we talk about demons? It's just an article yeah. I'm reading right now. Well, so... so um... So Yvette had a genuine question um, about the long ending of Mark. So maybe she can ask her question. Okay. And for the record, I don't think hair dye is God's judgment. But I mean, you know, why do it? Yeah, What's my, up, Yvette? My wife done die here. Well, <clears throat> from what I understood, he said that uh, Calvinists don't believe in that verse that I wrote on the comment section. Um, and all these things shall follow to all those who believe. They shall, you know, cast out devils, raise the dead, etc., etc. Um, 
Where, what verse is it in? It's, see, it's, it's Mark the, 16, 17 through 18. Right. So it's not Calvinists. Um, she's being obtuse. Um, most scholars do not believe that the long ending of Mark, and this is across Protestant and Catholic um, uh, scholars, do not believe the long ending of Mark um, is actually original to the gospel. Um, there are nine words in the long ending of Mark that Mark never uses throughout the other throughout the other 15, 16 chapters of the gospel. Um, we see from manuscript evidence that it was a late edition in about the second century. So early for editions, but it was definitely a late edition um, after Mark had definitely died. Um, and we see other manuscript evidence that the the long ending of Mark simply doesn't belong there. Um, it's it's a very famous one in textual criticism. Now, does it change any theology? No. Does it change the anything in the book of Mark? No. Um, it really has no bearing on the truth of the gospel of Mark. It's simply a long ending that was added later on. And so there, you're not going to find... Bible scholars that believe that the long ending of Mark is really there. Um, that's why in most modern translations, you're going to see it in brackets. And you could also say like someone took, I mean, just thinking like, you know, someone took over and thought, I don't know, that's kind of a, uh, that's kind of a, not a great way to end what you're saying. So let me just, you know, cap this up kind of like the Lord's prayer, like in the earliest manuscripts, like, you know, some of the, um, you know, like the last, like what half sentence, is, is not included. Like, for thine is the kingdom and glory and power forever. So maybe someone's like, well, you know, you just kind of stop. So, you know, we're just going to, I don't know, like, help the ending. Like, again, it has nothing to do with changing anything. It's just like, oh, use a comma instead of a period. Maybe not that much, but uh, Chris, find a synonym for obtuse that sounds happier. Um, nonspecific. Do the cheers thing. Can we do? We can do sounds. Do the cheer. Cheer, cheer for Chris. I, I don't. I don't. Work. I don't think it's he's not working. I don't, is so broken. I don't think he's going to be able to maintain non-specific. That's a very strange term to use long term. <laughs> I, I think he needs another word. Non-specific. Oh man! Now you're making me come up with another synonym. This is not fair. Okay. Uh... You subjected yourself to the tribunal. I know. That's okay. I love your Kanye and your Edward Norton. Um, and they love you. Exactly. They even say so. Bro, that's that meme is classic. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. I didn't want to clip Edward. I didn't want to clip Edward Norton out so much, but I'm like, I I can't do the more zoomed out picture. <laughs> I can't in good conscience do that. Just great. Um, but anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, non-specific. Um, oh, you can work on that in your free time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll come up. Uh, Yvette, did that answer your question at all? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I had no idea of that. Um, I always thought it was well part of the scripture, but it's in scripture. I mean, <laughs> okay. But all right. I mean, it's also like think how many other things aren't in scripture. And, you know, I mean, like verses, for example, 
does that does that mean God's word is invalid because they they put verses and they separated things into like uh, into paragraphs? Of course not. It just helps people read, you know, the meaning and the message of the text. Um, <clears throat> and I think the only ones that really um, have pushback from from their side who don't understand this would be a lot of the Muslims. And they're like, see, one word has changed, therefore God's a lie. And that makes me think about the thing I posted in the Discord. That was just, oh, hang on, let, let me just find it. Hold on, bear with me. I just, I just got to find this thing. I just got to read it. It's, I'm not going to do it justice. You know what I'm talking about? It was the one where the donkey or the where the goat ate his homework. Yep. Yep. It, we call it abrogated. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> abrogated. That's so good. Oh, my gosh. Hang on. Can someone help me, Victoria? Can you help me find out where this is? We've shared so many memes since then. Um, On Discord? So, it, I shared it on Discord. It was one of the memes. So basically, when Allah died, or when Muhammad died, uh, Aisha said they were so preoccupied with the death of Muhammad that a tame sheep came in and ate the uh, surahs that had been handed down about the breast suckling and the uh, stoning for adultery. And so that's why we call it abrogated. Yeah, I gotta find the whole. I, I gotta find the actual thing though, because it was just too perfect. There's like the oh, meat. Come on, ate my homework. That's so good. Can I ask a oh follow-up question, I'm... Nate? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'm, I gotta find this thing. Go ahead and ask ask Chris your follow-up question while I'm um, this. I thought because uh, I mean I I would consider y'all a, a, a Protestant Christian. I thought us Protestant Christians believe that in the inerrant word of god that there's no error and mm. um yes yeah. <clears throat> well chris or, or, okay so whoever is about to speak and then chris um, yeah because this is going to be like one question leads to another can you just give the entire like um detailed thing about why we believe the bible is inerrant infallible totally the word of god yet none of that applies when we're talking about like the long ending of mark or the extra bit of the lord's prayer um can, can you just give like a whole dissertation yeah that would help John A. <clears throat> right, the pericope adultery. Yeah. So oh, I, I found it. I found it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I found it. Okay. Everyone think. Everyone. Everyone think about what you're gonna say. Okay. This is the the thing. So Yvette, if anyone ever talks about the text and how, oh well, you don't have the same blah 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 blah. If it's a Muslim, point them here, which I'll post again because I lost it. One of the most transparently false claims made by Islamic apologists is that unlike the Bible, the Quran, the Quran is perfect and unaltered in its original form, having no multiplicity or versions that has ever been edited in any way. It wasn't even standardized until 30 years after Muhammad died by Caliph Uthman. If there were no variations in the text, why did it need to be standardized at all? Hmm. Why does a mortal need to standardize a God-given perfect book? Point two. According to Ishbniyak, whatever, the earliest source on the life of Muhammad, there was an additional verse in the Surah An-Nahim that Muhammad later removed, so taking away, Point three, in Suman ibn Mahach, whatever, a hadith, we learned that parts of the Quran were lost permanently because a goat ate the paper the only versions were written on. Hope that wasn't important. <clears throat> Number four, according to the Encyclopedia of Islam and the book Islamic Theories by uh, Abrogation, 564, 564 verses were alleged to have been expunged from the Quran or about one eleventh of its total content. Um, Number five, almost done. 
Al-Muhada Hadith 15.5 tells us that there was one, uh, there was once seven different versions of the Quran before Uthman standardized the text. Number six, the Sana manuscripts discovered in 1972 indicate multiple alternative versions of the text, even in the seventh century. Last point, uh, if it's perfect and no one has ever altered the text, why do the Shia have two extra chapters in the Quran that Sunnis didn't have in theirs? Um, so <laughs> there you go. And that is in the Discord in the Apologetics post. Okay. Chris, uh, were you going to answer a vet or CE? Uh, no, I was just going to say, Nate, the next time there's a, a, a Muslim uh, on stage, we should for fun say perhaps the missing part of the Quran were, was where they admitted Jesus was God. <laughs> oh, exactly. Okay. Uh, Will Deer and Chris, oh, I think Little, you're both. Will Deer, you got this. You know about inerrancy. That's easy. Yeah, give the whole overview. So basically, what we know of Scripture is that it was inspired to men to write down what the Holy Spirit has revealed to them. Um, their experience through eyewitness. And so this is what we say by inerrant, because they were men that were inspired to write down through the Holy Spirit. Um, so, and the difference being with Islam, Islam the Quran is actually sent down from Allah. So is the Torah and what they call the Injil, which is what we would call the good news. These were actually written by Allah in heaven, in paradise. And these are his actual words that were given to, uh, to us. So there's the difference where we're, we're, uh, Men writing down, being inspired through the Holy Spirit. Some of it is, you know, uh, uh, historical writings, eyewitnesses, um, uh, men writing in their own style of, of their own personality, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Does that sound about right, guys? Does that answer your question, Yvette? Yeah. Would y'all agree with her? Everyone? Yeah, it was inspired, not dictated. Okay, yeah. got it. Correct. And, and also, you know, to add to that, textual criticism actually lends more credence to the Bible. So when we, so like Muslims, and Little Deer knows a lot more about this than I do, but Muslims are dishonest about their text, okay? When they have textual variants, they try to hide them, they try to cover them up, they try to lie about them. Um, whereas in the history of Christianity, we have thousands and thousands of Greek manuscripts. They all have tiny little differences, um, you know, like a letter here or a mark there, or literally like where a stain has occurred um, in a lot of them. I'm not kidding, like literal stains on the parchment um, or on the, you know, the papyrus, whatever we're talking about. Um, well, even along the edges where they would hold it. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's, that's why sometimes... You know, where where in the manuscript you would see that it maybe ends, but there's probably still a word there, but they can't read it completely. So they have to kind of uh, fill in the blank a little bit because it's so marred along the edge from being held, being rolled, being carried, and those kinds of things. 
Right. And so we use modern textual criticism with computers and stuff now that we can take thousands of these Greek manuscripts and compare them. And we now have closer manuscripts with the Nessie Allen 28 and the upcoming Nessie Allen 29. Um, we have a more accurate Greek New Testament than they even had in 200 AD um, because we can take all of these manuscripts that were across all regions um, that Christianity existed um, compare them and know what the textual variants are and be honest about the textual variants and know that there were some things inserted like the comma Johannine um, first, first John five, seven, it was clearly a, a, an editor's note that was a prayer to the, the triune God that got added later on to a Latin text um, by mistake by somebody else copying the manuscript. Um, and we can actually, you can actually trace this through history. It's fascinating. Um, and how that ended up in the, in the text. So we know about what the textual variants are. So Todd mentioned the comma Johannine, which is, or I'm sorry, he mentioned the, um, pericope adultery. Um, we talk about the long ending of Mark. None of these things mar inerrancy or have any problems for the text. What it does is it shows us that the text was so precious um, that people did their absolute best to copy it exactly. And so when we have these textual variants, we know that, you know, these people were hastily copying texts, um, probably in very difficult conditions and definitely under persecution. And so tiny mistakes or marks missing or stains or, or damage around the edges, or even some manuscripts were burned and then rescued out of the fire, um, you know, this shows us that we have what the apostles wrote because we're not worried about what one manuscript may say or a group of manuscripts or a manuscript tradition like the Byzantine tradition uh, or the Alexandrian tradition. We don't care what those individual manuscripts say. What we care about is what did the apostle write? And now with modern textual criticism, we are closer to what the apostle actually wrote than we ever have been in history. It sounds counterintuitive, but um, because we are able to gather so many manuscripts, it makes the text more accurate than any Christian would have had in history. It, it makes me think about, you know, when Christ was talking to the disciples, I know it doesn't mean this, but when he said, these things you cannot bear now, but they shall all be revealed to you in time. So when we think of that, you know, the God didn't give us everything all at once. You know, he he lays things out. You know, we have archaeological history that just keeps building on it. You know, we have historical evidences that keep growing. You know, they have manuscripts, and yes, it's getting better all the time, and they're getting faster at doing it, but you know, money, people's time in order to go through these things, it takes time. You have museums across the world that have these different manuscripts. You have individual, private individuals that have these manuscripts, and then it takes time you know, to look at them and investigate them. 
So it's not that God revealed everything to us all at once. There's more and more and more as time goes on through, like Chris said, textual criticism that we're wide open to, you know, as Christians, because we know what God has given us. And so it's fascinating. Yeah. And I guess the last thing we can say about this is that, you know, we have more confidence in the accuracy of the scripture today than they even had a hundred years ago. And the tools that we have available to us today, like, I mean, the King James translators would have given their left arm for, <laughs> for a Nessie Allen 28, um, you know, Erasmus and, and the uh, priests that they got their existing manuscripts from to work from uh, to translate the King James. Um, you know, th- those guys, when they wrote about it, were like, they were almost despondent at the lack of manuscripts they had access to. Cause this was the, you know, it was the Renaissance is like the middle ages between the middle ages and the Renaissance. And they're trying to like travel around and go to places and they would get there and somebody would be like, yeah, we got like 11 manuscripts of, you know, Mark. And they'd be like, great. And they'd get there and they're like, Oh, yeah, we, we meant Jude, like, you know, right? and so like, you know, they just traveled like a year of their life in a dangerous journey to get nothing. And so, <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. I mean, like, dude, if you read, read some of the stories of people trying to compile manuscripts, like it was nuts and, you know, they would get lost, you know, cause again, there's no card catalogs. There were just like shelves of scrolls and no one knew it was on them. I mean, and so the fact that so many were preserved, and this is, again, the supernatural pr- preservation of God's word, the fact that they were preserved over history and, you know, throughout all of the tumultuous history in Europe and in the Middle East, you know, we've got a miracle in preservation that the Muslims simply cannot claim, um, you know, because it was done organically and there was not a central, you know, um, entity that was controlling all the manuscripts. Some people would try to argue that the Catholic church did that, but even like, like when you read Aquinas, he was like, yeah, I wanted to read this, but no one has a manuscript available. <laughs> and so like, there's like gaps in some of his commentaries because he just couldn't get a copy. Like he had the Vulgate, um, but he wanted to go back to the manuscript and look at it and nobody had one. And so like, again, like, and he was the guy in the middle ages, right? So he couldn't get access to manuscripts, you know, imagine, you know, whatever priest, whatever somewhere, you know, and then, and then the charge is, you know, you'll hear this nonsense about like, oh, at the council of Nicaea, they went around and like, you know, they, they modified all the manuscripts. Like that was literally impossible. Like there's no way. Um, and so a really good source on this, um, Yvette, is um, go listen to a sermon by Vodi Bauckham. You guys know, you guys know Vodi. Um, and it is why I believe the Bible. And he will go through all of these details in like a 40-minute sermon, and it is excellent. And so my, my son memorized portions of that sermon. And so whenever somebody has a question about this, he just rattles it off. It's kind of awesome. Chris? Thanks. Is Vodi one of your favorites? Vodi is my very favorite. No, he is my favorite. You, he can't be your favorite too. <laughs> ah, all right, we'll fight about it later. Oh, okay. Uh, spirit animals, theological spirit animals. I'm telling you, man, little deer is awesome. <laughs> hey, 
and I think the biggest thing to keep in mind, because like, you know, like what we're talking about, um, you know, we're like <clears throat> trying to come up with like all these tools and stuff to like, which is accurate. I agree with everything you said, but it's like, can't you just see people like who have to be critical because the religion compels them to, to be like, oh, you're justifying it by all this stuff and all this stuff, which is fine and is correct. And, you know, that is accurate. But the biggest thing is, look, if we didn't have half this stuff like we're talking about, if we just had like, you know, tattered pieces of missing Bible, the thing that you must need to know, the gospel of Jesus is impossible to, to not have correct, accurate copies because it says it so many times over and over and over. So all the gospels, all the New Testament, like what's the thing you need to know? Like, you know, are you missing the part in Acts we were talking about, about the demon possessed woman? Great. She has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. So even if that was missed, uh, mismatched, or there are all kinds of messed up words, um, as far as the thing you need to know, that is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Put your faith in him for eternal life. And you have that, like, I don't know, hundred more times in the Bible throughout the whole New Testament. So um, that's what I'd say. Keep the main thing the main thing. First things first. Gavin, hello, welcome. Hi, howdy folks, peace and blessings to everyone in the room, God bless you all. I've just come from a room full of atheists who were... How did you find uh, them? <laughs> oh, they just, they just hang around like you know, dogs returning to their own vomit. <laughs> but they were, they, they were discussing slavery uh, in oh, the Bible. Fun. Yeah, and it was difficult to um, kind of get through to them that Biblical slavery doesn't happen today. Yeah. They just couldn't get their heads around that. They don't want to get their heads around that. If they yeah. cared about slavery, yeah. they would take a break from slavery in the Bible, and they would go stop human sex slavery right now. And the fact that they're not doing that, they're talking about thousands of years old stuff, um, makes me think they are disingenuous, and they actually love slavery. Guide, well, I, guide um, them to the sound of freedom. Sorry. Guide them to the sound of freedom and tell them this is happening right now, today. What are you doing about it? You know, Gavin, the parallel I think about is, um, you know, like I don't ever hear atheists talk about how, like, you know, Solomon had 700 wives, 600 concubines. They understand that that's not the standard for today, right? They make no argument, no comparison. And so the cultural context was different. So they have no issue with that example, but then with slavery, we're not able to draw that same parallel. True, Raul. And the other thing you'll never hear from an atheist is that Christianity was at the cutting edge of the abolition of slavery act in 1833. The only comment I get from atheists is, so what? <laughs> seriously, seriously, so what? But anyway... Well, if we are to be serious and we are to be uh, accurate, the Christian actually goes back to slavery uh, while the world tries to go free. 
because we obviously become slaves of Jesus Christ, and we do not do what we want to do. We only do what he wants us to do. So I'm proud to say, yes, absolutely, I am enslaved. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> I, I, I ha- you know, it's kind of funny you say that, because in Islam, you are a slave to Allah, and that's all you are is a slave. You know, it. there's no love. There's no mercy as far as what we would see as mercy. You know, so I, I don't use the whole slave to, to, to God or to Christ because that's something Islam teaches and it is not in a good way. Well, at the same time, you know, we are slaves, but we are now called friends also. Correct. So. Exactly. Though we though we do everything that he asks us to do uh, without question, you know, he also gives to us everything that he has and he doesn't keep anything back from us. Uh, so it's it's a good it's a good. <laughs> uh, someone clip that. Well, Todd, doing everything Jesus asks you to do without question makes it sound like someone's about to ask the question. If God told you to kill babies, would you? Well, that wouldn't be God. <laughs> I agree. You know, you know what's interesting about that, though, is like this example with Abraham is that um, Abraham really knew that at the end of the day, he wasn't going to do anything to Isaac, right? Because he always knew that um, Isaac was going to have a long destiny and that there was going to be another offering made. So it w- it's not quite as tough a choice as um, I think we always play it out to be um, from the perspective that his faith gave him 100% certainty. I think he had a very reasonable expectation. Well, I mean, in Hebrews, it gives us more insight into the mind of Abraham. It says that he knew that Isaac would be resurrected. It literally says that in Hebrews. It gives us additional insight and revelation into the state of mind of Abraham. So Abraham had every intention of killing Isaac. Every intention. But then it also talks about like the Lord will provide a sacrifice. So was he lying? Yeah. Or was he like, or was he, or was he deceiving, which the Bible equates to lying? Like, Oh, don't worry, son. The Lord will provide a sacrifice, and you're it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be deception, which is akin to lying. So I think there is a, a very reasonable expectation that he really believed the Lord would provide a sacrifice that would not be his son. Otherwise, he's guilty of lying, which I don't think he did. I mean, Abraham lies all the time. So the fact that he would have lied to Isaac is not surprising. Um, you know, the... I mean, you just have to deal with the Hebrews text where he knew that Isaac would be resurrected. Like, it, it, that okay. seems to imply that he knew that he was going to kill Isaac. Okay, but also if he knew, he, I mean, knowing is knowing. So Isaac wasn't resurrected because Isaac was never dead. So I mean, you could say, like, he knew that if Isaac died, he would be resurrected. Um, so, you know, no harm, no foul, except maybe a little stick with a knife. But, um, I mean, it's not like he, he knew it because it happened and then it came true. So, like, I, I would say that. I would say he knew that if, uh, you know, because it, there's we're not saying different things. We're just on the other side. So I'm saying he had a reasonable expectation that God would provide a sacrifice other than Isaac. But also, 
if he's like, well, I thought I had a really good expectation, but, well, guess I was wrong. Got to kill you, son. But it's totally fine because God's going to resurrect you. So, I mean, it's, it's just filling in that, that blank. Like, did he, was he more convinced that God was going to make him go through with it and kill him and he would resurrect him? Or was he more convinced that God was really going to provide an, a sacrifice and he wouldn't have to go through with it? And it's, you know, potato, potato. All, all results end up the same. Isaac is fine. I would almost look at it as more of a sense that the word no, does it mean physically absolute knowledge or is it just that faith in what God had told him? He had total faith in that. The word no. Yeah, I mean, faith in Abraham's, I mean, this is, this is a classic story, right? So like Rabbi Uri and I talked about this, like, did he, um, cause, cause again, the Jews talk about this. Did Abraham lie to Isaac or was he, was he like, yes, there will be a, the God himself will provide a sacrifice. You know, I think Isaac being a grown person, like he, it seems to indicate he was a young adult by the timeline. I think Isaac knew what was going on. Hey, Vickle, what's up? Have you hey, can you guys hear me? Because God told you to? Yes. <laughs> Wait, what about babies? <laughs> what? What would you say about babies? I think you're hearing things. <laughs> I said, have you killed any babies recently because God told you to? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not recently. That's ominous. Ooh. Now, um, as a... Uh, you know, you guys were talking about uh, slaves of Christ, and uh, that's actually, um, I don't know if I ever told you this, Nate, but there was one time I was arguing with an atheist, uh, that, yeah, one time, and he thought it was an insult to call me a slave of God. <laughs> so he says, that's what you are. You're a slave. You're a slave to Christianity. You're a slave to God. And I was like, oh, okay, I appreciate the, the, the compliment. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm not worthy of the term, but, but thank you. <laughs> Bro, that's hilarious. I love when they're doing an insult like you're you're a fool for Christ. And I'm just like, thanks, awesome. Well, thank you. First Corinthians four ten. Yeah, I'm a fool for Christ. Well, you're brainwashed. Oh yeah, thank you. Romans chapter twelve. <laughs> you know, you're talking about all the attributes of one that's in Christ. You know, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, but uh, it, it's an honor to be called a slave of Christ. I actually, I don't think there's any one believer that's uh deserving of being given that label to be honest uh, we, we don't deserve it we don't de we don't even deserve to be called a slave of christ to be honest and, why because we keep messing up yeah let right. alone yeah. a friend a, a yeah. brother and a child of god and a partaker in the divine excellence i mean like it's crazy yeah but you know, I I I appreciate the compliment when an atheist calls me a slave of God, a slave of God. <laughs> it's kind of like when uh when liberals refer to me as an Uncle Tom, uh, because of my political views and my religious views. Uh, I say Christian view more specifically, but uh, and they don't realize that when they refer to me as an Uncle Tom, number one, they're doing it with a racial as a racial epithet. Uh, and out of ignorance, 
But number two, they don't realize that if they would have read the book, that the character Uncle Tom uh, was actually a hero because he actually sacrificed his own freedom for the sake of one of his masters to come to know Jesus Christ personally. So he gave up his freedom. He had the opportunity to be free. But he said, I'm not going anywhere until master comes to know Jesus Christ personally. Okay, that's a hero in my book. Okay, he had opportunity to go be with his family, his, his wife and kids. Slave master said, hey, go ahead. You can go. I'm not going to go after you. But Uncle Tom said, no, I'm going to stick around. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing a big time, by the way. Uh, I'm going to stick around because I think your soul is in trouble. I want to come see. I want you to see. I want you to come to know Jesus Christ personally. Um, and then, of course, if you go to the character that Uncle Tom is based off of, the real person named Josiah Henson, and I'm going to go into the whole spiel with him, but you know, he's actually a hero too. So, you know, it's the same thing with being called a slave of God. It's, it's actually, uh, it's an honor that we don't deserve, but uh, that's the way I look at it. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I was going to say, Todd, could you invite brother down there at the very bottom? I see his hand raised, but you know, clubhouse being clubhouse isn't letting me. So would you mind sending an invite to him? And uh, Yvette had another question. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say. Thank you so much, Nate, Chris. Thank you. Um, when we do the will of God, are we inspired by the Holy Spirit to do it? Yes. Um, I'm asking because uh, since the apostles were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write scripture with their personality and um I just thought, you know, that God helps us. Um, he inspires us with scripture to do his will, to believe in God. That's his will, right? To believe in the good news. Yeah, he just it's not in the same manner as he inspired scripture in terms of like us getting direct revelation. Um, but it is that when we are praying and reading our, the scripture and, um, you know, doing the works uh, that uh, are of him, then that is being in the will of God. And God definitely inspires the, that through the Holy Spirit living in us. Sorry, I have, I have so many questions after. after. Um, is it possible that one of the... Um, prophets or one of the apostles spoke um words that came from directly from god like to, directly from heaven is is that instead of like being like i'm talking about like the stories of the bible like prophet isaiah for example when he said uh he started um describing how you know the prophecy of Jesus being crucified by his stripes we are healed he was led to the you know um, to the slaughter and uh, stuff like this and is it possible that he got those words directly like he spoke 
the the exact same words that God was telling him, or it was it inspired by the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Sorry, I have a lot of questions because, like, I just wonder if it's just possible that you that one of the prophets or apostles spoke, you know, exactly what God would tell them. Just that's my question. That's a really good question, actually, though. Uh, I believe at the beginning of Hebrews, it says that, let me just pull it up here so I'm not butchering the text. Uh-huh, hold on, open up my little Bible app. All right, so Hebrews starts off saying, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, he goes on to say, in these last days has spoken to us in his son. So, you know, it, it is evident here that God did speak to the prophets. Now, whether he spoke it directly and, you know, so the prophet would say, thus says the Lord, da 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 You know, he probably got directly from God what he had said. Or as he's speaking things and maybe writing things down, or just speaking things to the people around him, he may have be getting it from uh, inspiration by the Holy Spirit as he's speaking. So, and that's just what became tradition, and that just became what people knew, I believe. Oh, um, okay. So, Chris, is true. Got it. Yeah, Chris can maybe expound on that a little more, but that's probably my. Yeah, that's that's really good. And and again, let's go back to the scripture. You've got Second Peter one twenty through twenty one. Do you have your Bible with you? Maybe on your phone. And then brother will get to you in just a second. So the verses the verses are second it's real short. Second Peter one, so chapter one, verse 20 and 21. You want me to just read it for you? Yes, please. So know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes by one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by the will of man, but men being moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And so again, being moved by the Holy Spirit. So these men were not just talking their own talk. And then that becomes a scripture. They were at the moment they were speaking it or writing it being carried along by the Holy Spirit. Oh, very wow. Oh, wow. So it is possible to get speak directly a direct god, god words of god wow that's that's so crazy yeah. i did not know that verse existed there you go wow yeah so both can be true that's true what god was saying well so so, so again you can take so like the apostles were wrong a lot right yeah um and then like peter got corrected by paul um in a matter of doctrine and the reason for that is that they weren't walking around as infallible humans at that point. Um, what was happening is that then when they sat down to write, they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. And when the canon was discovered, like, oh, this 
this is a clearly inspired letter, right? So there were four strictures that people use to determine whether or not a book was an inspired book or just like something cool. Um, and so they used these four uh, strictures in order to come to conclusions about which books were truly breathed out by God. Remember second Timothy three sixteen and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking and training in righteousness. And so, and it goes on from there, but, that is that is what we want to we want to read is what came out of the pen of the apostle whilst they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. I wanted to add just to that uh, idea and, and and not to so so there's um because of what we're saying and and I think I think the, the word inspired needs to be kind of be expounded upon. Inspired doesn't mean dictation. It doesn't mean that there were, you know, that the apostle was there sitting down. And he was writing things like a typewriter. Like, you know, it, inspired means that somehow, on a divine level, God spoke to these men, and these men were able to transmit on paper what God wanted them to write. But at the same time, they weren't typewriters. This is why we can, you know, for example, because of the the Bible, the Word of God is inspired uh, and not dictated. Um, we can trust translations. We can we can trust expressions of you know even expound like expository teaching. We can trust these things as 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 coming from the Word of God. And there's other groups of people and other beliefs that they believe that their word that came from their version of what their God is is dictated. This is why they say things like, "Well, you can't trust the English." We, you know, God didn't speak in English. We got it, you know, they, they, which, which is in a way true, but again, they're saying God can only be understood in a specific language, aka the Muslim. Right. You know, because, because they believe God only spoke in Arabic, and because he dictated his words, only the Arabic words are trustworthy. And you'll hear that a lot, but you won't hear that as often with Christians. Why? Because Christians are saying the Bible was inspired oh and then because right. it was inspired we can go we, we we can glean from different translations oh malik are you are you a muslim no i'm not by the grace of god oh. okay <laughs> brother what's up brother you've been waiting a while good morning good morning good morning good morning all yeah i just wanted to speak to the uh point you had made about if god uh told told someone to kill babies and and someone i believe responded said he wouldn't do that um but there's a story in the bible about um saul pretty sure you guys are familiar with in the first samuel 15 and 3 and i just want i mean i don't I, you know, I don't believe i need to read i'm pretty sure everybody is familiar with that story um and saul did just that he did not obey god and 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 that caused god to regret exalting him to king um and uh and and the story goes on you know he, he built a statue and and uh he sent samuel to tell saul you know how, how he felt so you know um i you know do i believe that in today's time that god would tell us to kill babies you know i, I don't i do not agree and maybe that's what the brother meant when he said that but you know god does um or has rather um you know order people to do things that we may uh feel that you know 
doesn't need to be done. However, he has, you know, gave us commandments and orders. Yeah, well, you just, I mean, you, you misunderstood him on that. Like he, he said, um, he said, um, I said, you know, if God asked you to kill babies, would you? And he said, well, that wouldn't be God. And I agree. And, and so like, you know, even though God did command these things, you know, in times past, uh, because of, you know, all the sworn enemies, death to Israelites, all that type of stuff. Um, now, that's never going to happen. So, so yeah, I mean, there was a misunderstanding. He said, um, God wouldn't be the one asking him that. And I, I agree. But that was just yeah, I agree in today's time. Yeah, I, I agree in today's time. I just wanted to make sure I, I, I was, you know, um, you know, that it wasn't confusing that, you know, God wouldn't command anything like that at all, you know, because he has, you know. There's, a, there's also the debate, too, uh, that the language that's used in First Samuel 15.3 is sort of our war, war cry type of language or whatever, or hyperbole, if you will. Uh, at least that's the other angle. I don't personally accept that view, at least not yet anyway. Uh, but it's, they'll say that it's likened unto you saying, I destroyed this person. I destroyed Nate in our debate. Or I killed, I murdered that dude in our debate last week. You know, that kind of thing. You know, some people are saying the language there in First Samuel 15.3 is sort of like that. You know, God just kind of saying, destroy everything. I, I, I don't care. Even the babies, destroy everything. I don't want a single thing left of these people called the Amalekites. I want everything destroyed. Everything. Babies, animals, I don't care. What? You know, so some people will say that that's the type of language that's being uh, expressed there. But I don't know. Yeah, and I can't get there either because, I mean, no matter what, if you, like, kill everyone else and leave the little babies, what's going to happen? They're going to die. They're going to get eaten by wolves. Like, they don't have people to take care of them. So no matter what happens, they dead. Or 400 years later, they'll grow up and practice revenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Joanna, what's up? How are you? Hi, and thank you. Um, I always feel so welcome here sometimes. You are. I don't know if, if you guys cringe at my questions. Sometimes. Yes. Hey, get, give me sometimes. my today. I, I want... Give me, give me mods, Nate. I, I want this woman. What, Michael? I said, give me mods, Nate. I, I want this woman uh, out of here right right away. Oh. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so what's up, Joanna? Oh, I just want to say thank you to everyone because um, I'm feeling really clear-headed and listening to, to you guys, watching links you've sent me. And it was just honestly a, a good morning and a Thank you all who have been sending me things to watch. Oh, awesome. Are you on the Discord server, by the way? Yes. Let me post that for anyone else that would like to uh, like to be there. It's, it's quite a uh, interesting little community we have. Good morning, Michael. How are you doing? Uh, hey, hey, I'm doing okay. The app is garbage today. Wow. Uh, it crashed for Absolutely. me. It crashed for me like three times. Uh, and it's funny when they went back into the, the clubhouse lobby, uh, the room shows up, but it's grayed out. Like it's, I was still able to join, but it was, that's yeah, super weird. I, don't know. I can't even I can't edit even my own, edit room, my own title. room title. So, so like, 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 this, like is this is a, this is a, oh, I'm oh, echoing Ben Michael. Uh, th this is a recurring room and it won't even let me edit it. So I go, cause I wanted to put the little live icon cause Steph had the good idea to like put the little live, like, you know, to show that it was happening now because there's so many that are just like six hours ago, six days ago, blah, blah, blah. So I tried to do that. And it's like, you don't have permission to edit this. I'm like, it's my room. So, uh, you know, I hate Clubhouse. 
with a Christian kind of love. Nah. Oh, goodness, oh. Michael. What is going on with your microphone today? That wasn't me. No, no, Michael. Whenever, whenever you have music, it's like, yeah, I don't know. am I going to speak your phone or do you not have headset? headset? Um, I could put my earphones in. I, I, it's weird, though. Like, I think this is something else to do with the update because I I almost never use my ear my earplugs. Um, but hang on. I'll, I'll grab them. Well, well that's correct. Crazy. Are, did you upgrade? The, I'm curious. Who has upgraded to iOS 17? Oh yeah, yeah. That I always do it the day it drops. Yeah. Okay. So I haven't updated yet, and I haven't had any trouble. Lots of people seen, were saying it was causing problems. Yeah, lots of people were saying iOS 17 was causing issues. So, but I'm also going to get a new phone. Oh wait, I can get a phone on Friday. They come out on the 22nd. Anyway. And so so what did they even update in this iOS 17 update? Like, they, they certainly didn't make anything better. Like, what what was the update? <laughs> I haven't read the notes. on. I, I usually read the notes, but I always tell my clients to wait two weeks um, for any updates to iOS because there's usually a 17.01 update that's going to fix some serious bug. So I never have my clients update on day of drop. Uh, do as you say, not as you do, right? Uh, I, I just want to say that I downloaded uh, the iOS 17 beta, beta, the new one, and I couldn't enter the clubhouse. I had to use my daughter's phone uh, because she's the older version of um, Apple. So, like, now I'm on my daughter's phone. But uh, my phone, I can't get in uh, clubhouse anymore since I downloaded that 17 beta thing. Yeah, it's weird. Oh yeah, I've been I, I was part of the public beta for iOS 17 as well, and I never had any problems with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you hear different people with different, you know, different experiences and stuff like that, for sure. But, yeah, it um, I, there was supposed to be something like 200 new features or something like that. Um, I, you yeah. know, it, it was like it, it was like the, the you know terms of service. Right. Nobody ever reads all of it. So I read part of it and then almost fell asleep reading it. And so I stopped reading it. Um, but no, I don't think it was that. I think it was, um, I recently got a new phone as well. And I was wondering if it maybe had something to do with that. So I don't know. Who knows? Sounds like a perfect time to go get an S23. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. Sounds like the Apple phones are compatible with the gospel. Well, I'll say this. I just made my full transition to Apple so I can be truly apostolic. Uh, and it's the best transition I've ever made. Oh. <laughs> I got my MacBook Pro, uh, and I am on, so happy. Everything on, works every time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use that brand. I'm going to use every that brand. Every time. Every this time. This S23 oh, is phenomenal. The Snapdragon, come on, man. Apple style. My kids just got I, iPads for their school to bring home, and just like getting them on Wi-Fi last night, uh, it brought back like memories of my hate for Apple. Like I'm just like – Where's the stupid settings? Like just just seeing that UI and uh, just like having to go to settings like a caveman and uh, I, I don't know. I, I hate Apple. I, I don't know how I made it so long without being Apple. I'll be honest. Like I don't know why. I, like, it was look. I don't. I look. I don't understand. That. I was just being a, an idiot. Like I'm like everything works every time. This is this is awesome. It's like Christian. oh hey. Todd or someone, can you guys invite uh, Roberto? I invited him a long time ago, but again, Clubhouse isn't letting me, you know, invite people to my own room. So, dude, I love someone else send Roberto an invite, please. Because uh, my my son's favorite character on um, Futurama is Roberto the robot, and he's awesome. 
Does anybody know Roberto on Futurama? My pastor doesn't let me watch stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway. I just Roberto an invite. I don't know if it works. Well, give me the name again, Chris, so I can preach against the Sunday. Yeah, Futurama. <laughs> new one's coming out. And oh my gosh, they play an Old Testament joke and they just keep beating it to death, and it's very funny. Uh, well, more not really an Old Testament joke, but just a KJV joke. They 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 do an actual KJV joke, which I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. Anywho, um, so Michael, yeah, I sent you that uh, that book. Um, yeah, I, it's I think in, it's it, in my queue. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I know. Along with a hundred other things, yeah. I yeah, I've been trying to read this biography on Jan Hus, and it's you know, but I keep going back to this book because um, it's just captivating. Are you reading it by uh, Fudge? Um, the guy I forgot his name. Um, uh, he he wrote Christianity without the cross. Um. He's the uh, he's the leading Hussite scholar in the world, from what I understand. Ooh, I didn't know that. He's no, a, he's I... a, he grew up. He uh, he's a former one of Pentecostal. That's why I'm aware of him. That he is the world's leading um, Hussite scholar. Interesting. No, but I'm gonna. Uh, uh, um, I hate Clubhouse so much. I was gonna say, hey, back channel me some stuff, Brandon. <laughs> but apparently you couldn't handle yourself in Discord. Thing. Um, well, I'm on Discord. I've just I just sent Rock a, a manuscript. So um, you know what I mean. Yes, I know what you mean. Um, anywho, uh, no, I will check out Fudge though on um, on Hus because this bi I have a short biography by him, and I was going to do a whole thing. I was going to try to do start doing vignettes in church history, um, you know, just like of very specific people. And so I was reading his biography to do like a like a 45 minute talk on him, but. I haven't gotten to it yet because I keep going back to Kruger and the her the book I'm reading right now, Brandon, is called The Heresy of Orthodoxy. And it is a play on the 1934 work, The Orthodoxy of Heresy. And so it's taking on liberal um, arguments for um, rejecting uh, the scripture and you know all the all the liberal stuff. Um, and also, by the way, Machem, uh, Grisham Misham, J. Grisham Misham. Uh, it is the 100th anniversary of uh, liberalism and Christianity. So you can Ooh. pick that one for free. It's very good. Oh, thanks for the recommend. I'll probably take a look into it. Yeah. So, yeah, li liberalism and, and Christianity is excellent. And it's the 100th anniversary of that. And this heresy of orthodoxy is by Kruger. It was written in 2010. Michael, I feel the same way you do right now. <laughs> oh no, no, I, I'm I'm right there. I love reading stuff. Um, oh, then I don't. <laughs> yeah, speaking of speaking of reading, I was uh, I was reading some stuff on uh, uh, on presuppositional apologetics yesterday, um, and uh, there, how it's rooted in rooted in epistemology, and I found something exceedingly interesting. And I know how you said before that you you know that. At, at the in the grassroots kind of thing, you agree with the presupp the, the the presupposition, but um, I found this this article that I read yesterday very very interesting. Um, 
and and then I saw a YouTube video done by Ozzy Ozzy Mandius uh, that was kind of going over the article, and it was very very interesting. Basically, the um, the the twenty second version of it is presuppositionalists aren't really grounding their epistemology the way they say they're grounding it. Um, if you ask a presuppositionalist, they say, you know, they, they start with God and with his revelation, but they can't possibly start with God and his revelation because there are so many other presuppositions that we all have to have in place before we, you can even get there. And so I, I found that really like, for example, you know, the reliability of your senses, um, you know, the existence of an external world, all these other things. You have to rel- you have to presuppose all of those things in order for you to get to the point where you can even go to a God, let alone any particular God. And so one of the really dishonest tactics of certain members of the community, like our friend who we can't say, cause he's like Beetlejuice, cause his name he'll appear. Um, <clears throat> him, for example, right. He always says, Oh, you know, you, you have to start with, and even, even guys that, that predated him, like, like Cy Ten and, and some of these other guys, um, they say, you know, well, you have to start with, with, you know, with God, but you can't even start with God until you've done all these other things first. And I thought that that was very interesting. And I'd be curious if anybody has any thoughts on it. I would only be curious to listen to a little discussion where that, what you just said is presented to one of these people who <clears throat> stakes their claim on that and see how they respond. But I, I don't have any original thoughts, but I, I would be curious to see how the people who like stake this, how they would respond to that. So it's super weird, Michael, that you would have this question because just yesterday, a um, friend of mine in Discord um, sent me a, uh, a link to one of the very few talks that Bonson gave on video, and he addresses this exact issue. So um, if you're, are you on Discord, Michael? No, I've never, okay. I've, I've, no, yeah, we, yeah, we've no, I, I'll just email, yeah. I'll, yeah, um, email. I've already got all your contact information, which I've, I've, I've already doxed you to the world. So just say oh, cool. <laughs> no problem. Um, so I'll, um, I'll send you a link to this video and, and Bonson, you know, so Bonson was a disciple of Van Til, who was the originator of the presuppositional, um, thesis. So Bonson actually addresses this exact question in the video I was sent yesterday. So I'm not going to say my friend has prophetic <laughs> ability, but I'm going to say that this is a uh, a design of grace, you know. Or there's just you know that that thing that you know coincidences happen, right? Well, yeah, that too. Come on. But no, it, it's interesting. Um, one of the things that I found interesting when I started doing a little bit of research into Bonson and, and uh, Van Til is how they diverged. Um, the more time that passed, and how towards the end of his, uh, you know, like how, how there wasn't, there wasn't a meeting of the minds when it came to the two of them independently anymore, because they had both gone, like they had taken kind of this precept and gone in wildly different ways. And some of the things that, um, like some of the ways that, uh, that Bonson took it. And that's why a lot of the, um, a lot of the really, in my opinion, dishonest, bad faith agents uh, in this, they lean more towards Bonson than they do Van Til, which is interesting because Bonson wouldn't have had anything had not been had it not been for Van Til in the first place. 
Yeah, and interestingly enough, you know, Sproul was also a presuppositionalist, like, but that's not what he spent his time on. He was a theologian, but, um, you know, and he actually talks about the differences between Van Til and Bonson. I don't know if you've ever seen, um, Sproul does a graduate level class on the history of philosophy and he touches on, I think it's 60 sessions, um, that are an hour each. And he goes, I mean, somewhat in depth into each of the 60 most influential philosophers in the last 4,000 years, which is pretty cool. I'll just have to add that to the queue as well. I know I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching the first <laughs> few right now and it's very, like I have to sit with a notepad and take notes because it's, it is very intense. It's definitely a graduate level. Roberto has a question. Is it in chat? Did he ask it in chat? Yeah. Or Oh, I guess I'll ask my question in chat. Yeah, Roberto, we sent you invites. I don't know why you couldn't get up. Um, let's see. I mean, try again. Send another invite if you want. You know how Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed is attributed to their sexual morality, homosexuality? Would it be a stretch, because words change over time, to say that the sodomy done in those cities included oral and anal sex? Who wants that? That's 100% your vet question. Well, actually, 100% what? Actually, <laughs> Nate, what I would expect what I would expect you to say on this and, and let me just let me pull my best Nate in, uh, in impersonation here. Um, the Bible doesn't specifically say that. So the Bible is silent on that. So we can't necessarily speak to it. That's pretty good. Every time you say things like that, it makes me want to hit speed dial speed order on your robes. It's true. I mean, yeah, exactly. I. I I agree with Michael. Like we don't have a lot of information. We do know that, you know, there's only a couple of ways that dudes can be with dudes. There's, you know, the impossibility of the contrary says that there's only a few ways. I have a question. Um, uh, Roberta, uh, well, well, just, up. just make sure. Uh, Roberto, did that did that answer your question, or were you trying to go somewhere uh, further with that? Um, and yeah, I don't know why you can't get on stage, but um, yeah, did that answer what you were asking, or did you have some somewhere else you wanted to take that? Let us know if we didn't address it good enough, and we'll come back to it. Nate, you can uh, completely seal your fate and make me a mod, and I can see if I can bring him up. Can um, <laughs> you know what? There you go. No, make me a mod. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, you made Chris a mod before me? The... Oh, fine. You can all be mods. I don't care. When Michael, Jesus you can say... be a mod, too. Sorry. Okay, you <laughs> may, go ahead. <laughs> when Jesus says, I never knew you, does he mean um, they are not my people? They <laughs> Does that mean I, they are not my people <laughs> or, or something? Because, yeah. I mean, just... Okay, just of course he knows sure. them. Of course he knows. Yeah, he knows them, them, right? But they are not my people because he they sinned when they were on earth, and then and when it was to their convenience, they would uh, do the will of God, but only when they felt like it, right? And then they were never um, born again. Yeah, also that too. Okay. Uh, yeah. Hey, Roberto. One of the one of these people got you up here. <laughs> What's up, Roberto? Hey, good morning. I'm sorry. Chatting can be kind of off sometimes. I agree. Uh, or 
unclear. Um, I was I was attributing those acts to heterosexuals. Is it possible that heterosexuals were uh, engaged in those acts and thinking that they're okay and being under the same condemnation as those who we um, normally attributed to sodomy? And I'm just going based on the definition of the word. Oh, I see. Now, I, I don't think so. So, I mean, you can be sure, like, you know, any fornication, right? So, no matter what sexual act it was, not in marriage, um, that would be that would be sinful. So, no matter what it is. Um, but if we're trying to say, like, today, like, you know, God only allows, like, you know, completely missionary-style, like, vanilla-type sex, I don't think that's accurate. I think, you know, from, from what the Bible says, which, you know, the Bible's pretty silent on, you know, the acts itself, um, but it seems that, you know, your body's not your own, uh, you know, husbands submit, wives submit to each other, things like that. So it seems like a fair conclusion would be, you know, whatever you want to do in the bedroom, if you're, you know, both consensual, agreeing and, and whatever, then go for it. Um, I, I mean, I think to a certain point, it could get messed up where it could be sinful, not because of necessarily like sexual acts, but because of all kinds of like underlying stuff that gets, gets, um, like different reasons. So like, if you, if you just want to talk about like, you know, those things you mentioned, I don't think there's like any kind of prohibition against that. Like if you're married, go for it. Um, but then if like you have, I don't know, like let's take some kind of like weird kink thing. Like you're into like BDSM and chains and whips. Um, you know, I don't know what line, like follow your convictions, but at some point I can see like, you know, it's not my thing, but if someone's like, you know, tickle me with a feather or, Oh, spank my bottom with a ping pong paddle. Please, stop. Please like stop. You're, you're, I want to cut my ears out with ice picks right now. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm poking no, my ears wait. out. I, I am powering through this. Anyway, so I'm going somewhere. So if someone's like that, you know, we're all like joking and gagging and stuff like that. And we're like, ah, ha, ha. Um, but that, that's like kind of a funny representation. So if a couple wants to do that stuff, that's also probably fine. If it gets to a point where there's like you're not honoring, you know, each other and stuff like that, and they're like, you know, like legit, punch me harder, punch me in the face. I'd be like, oh gosh. And it's like, you know, choke me, not to where I actually die, but really close to it. Like where it gets like serious. It's like, okay, so you can see how this could be problematic because the whole point is to, you know, honor God in your marriage, honor God with your bodies. So if you're like legit beating the crap out of each other. Um, you know, because of some like weird sex fetish or like your, your parents like messed you up as a child. Now the only way you can like, you know, experience love is to like, you know, be beaten half to death. I would say that that is definitely a problem, <laughs> but that's also quite a, a ways down the road from what you're talking about. My, my Nate, you that have is to my stop. full spectrum analysis. Nate, you have to stop. I'm running out of space on my phone with all the sound, <laughs> with all the sound clips I'm doing. For the record, the, the ping pong paddle thing, it, I'm not into that. It is not my thing. So I, I'm not talking about me. I if want you're imagining, if you're imagining me, that is your own problem. Die right now. <laughs> the, uh, Nate, the, 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 the ransom email is on its way. Um, Roberto, the, that's what I think. The justice of God is deferred one more day. Because if God... We're going to perform justice for this. He would have raptured us all out of here before you finished that diet. <laughs> Roberto, what do you think about that? Do you? No, I, I appreciate um, the answer. I just was curious um, uh, what your your position was on that was. Because I, I, I was just reading the, you know, sometimes you read words and you kind of just take it for granted. And then I read the word 
well, I guess back in the in the days, like my parents and grandparents' days, sodomy used to call just um, homosexual sodomites. And then when I looked at the word sodomy and I saw that it also included anal and oral sex, uh, I was wondering if there was a connection to that and um, I guess what the word really meant. I don't, I don't, I don't know. That, that, that's why where my question was, was being drawn from. Can anyone uh, can can anyone focus on a serious reply, Chris, or uh, is that is that beyond you? I'm I'm still trying to drown myself in the same. Well, Roberto, I, unfortunately, I guess that's the best we're going to get. Like, I I don't think that. Like, I I don't. Uh, I mean, I think it's associated with you know homosexual behavior, and even in like the New Testament when it talks about you know all the people that are going to have their part in the lake of fires. Um, I think it even says like, you know, men who practice homosexuality. So there, there's really nothing I can think of in the Bible except that word uh, that would talk, uh, that would make me think that like husbands and wives who engage technically in that um, is, is a problem. Like it seems like the entire connotation is about same sex people doing that. Um, Thank you. So if anyone disagrees, no one's going to say it yeah. now because apparently they're imagining like spanking me or something. And who are you guys a kink shame? <laughs> so just, I just want to say being married 38 years, uh, lots of things tried, but we find through science that anal sex is not appropriate, neither for male nor female, because it causes many diseases, causes a lot of other types of issues. So, you know, as we explore these things more and science looks into it, we can see that it is harmful. And that is one thing, you know, that Christ honor your wives, and, you know, do not do harm to each other. And so that kind of falls into that realm as far as I'm concerned. And I would say to each their own, right? Because, I mean, I, I mean, you know, there are people out there that like that stuff. So, you know, uh, please change the subject. <laughs> change the subject, Rojo. What's up, Rojo? Rojo, how are you? Hey, Nick. Thank you so much for inviting me to the stage. I, I'll be happy to change the subject for you if you want. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Please, I'm oh, no, begging. Please, please. No, no, we'll, no, we'll clear the room out really quickly. No, 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 no. But, but thank you. You're all our children. <laughs> you know, we will clear this room out. Rojo's in the house. <laughs> what's up? What's up? What's up? All right, what's up, Rojo? Uh, yeah, uh, so much, so much, so much. Are there words to go with it, or no, not no words to go with it? I mean, honestly, I'm just looking at Clubhouse's HQ. They're meeting. By the way, I'm eating waffles. So if anyone's wondering why I sound like that, because I'm eating Eggo waffles. I didn't even have the time nor the patience to make homemade waffles. Anyway. <laughs> Your waffles are good, though, bro. I was told there was a change of topic coming. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I'm just making that right now. Um, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, back to sodomy, Chris. Oh, just God. just God. let it just let it be. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Let it. Just let it be known for the record that it was the atheist who brought up the last theological topic.
just just for the record. Yeah, why do atheists always want to talk about sodomy? Interesting topic. It wasn't the atheist that brought it up. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, but Nate finished it. Oh God! We'll keep you in prayer. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's I, I don't I don't judge people's individual proclivities, right? Um, you know, and but apparently, I, I don't know why you would say something like ping pong paddle unless it was a thing, Nate. I'm just saying. No, I can say you know. I, I, I mean, I don't know. God, I hope ping. I don't know. I don't know where. I don't know where appropriateness. I don't know where appropriateness ends, but I I promise you. Uh, that that is not my thing. I'm debating like, uh, whether I mean, or not to run I mean, over my phone or hit it with a sledgehammer. Right? I don't think we need to learn about this. Not really. I mean, if you want to talk about the depravity of man, I mean, you know, my issues go way deeper than ping pong paddles. Okay, we'll just leave that there. But um, anyways, and also not to the you know like beating the crap out of people like that's that's also bad. Don't do that. That is also not my thing. But uh, anyways, that's enough about me. But not a ping pong paddle. I, I actually, I, I was watching the show, and it was it was like a funny scene about that. So like you know, the person walked in, and he was you know it was depicted he was like getting paddled with a ping pong paddle, and it was like a, a comedy thing, not like a Fifty Shades of Grey thing. That's what made me, made me think of that. Okay, so we have no other topics. All right, good to know. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Wonderful. Nate, the only other thing I've got in my brain right now is politics, and I'm not sure you want to go there. Well, I've got like a, a, a short amount of time, but what politics thing do you have in your brain? Let's. Uh... So I just recently watched. Um, I went down a, a rabbit hole on YouTube, and what ended up coming up was the phone call between uh, Donald Trump and the Secretary of State from Georgia, and a whole bunch of lawyers and stuff like that. Have you heard this tape? Uh, yeah, the one that they're trying to say he was ordering him to do illegal stuff, and when the no, other no, side... no, not that. Oh, no, a, a, no. A new, a, a, then I don't know. Uh, when when yeah. was this? Uh, it was. I didn't cast a date on it. it was it was in, um, it was after the election twenty. It was before. It was before January sixth, but after the election November third. Okay. Um, it's available online. It's around. It's about an hour and ten minutes long. And, and it's not the one where he says, find me those votes. That's not oh, the uh, one you're talking about. Oh, no, he, he does. Like he, he does. No, he doesn't. He never actually says, find me the votes. Yeah. He oh, never God. actually He's says just, this is such a dishonest thing that the Democrats do. And that the Georgia government. I mean, really, that's not what Trump. No, no. Well, he, hang on. I, we're, well, we're trying to figure out what the actual conversation Michael's referring to is because I thought I had it, but apparently not. Yeah, no, no. I think we're talking about the same one. But I mean, like, I mean, I am. So I mean, for like. I, you, I guess you could, if you wanted to call me a Democrat, you could, even though I'm in Canada and we don't, we don't do that. It's more, it's the liberal party or the democratic party, but whatever. Um, anyway, um, he, he never says those words. And if anyone would say to me, oh, Trump says, find me votes. No, that's not what he says. He, there are a couple of times where he says, I, I need to try to find, he never, he never instructs anyone to quote unquote, find votes. He never says that. And I would, I would argue with anybody who said that he did say that because I listened to the whole thing. He never says those words. Anyway, it's the other startling things that he says, um, and it's it's funny because I, I'm not going to even for a moment. Startling? Well, I, I'm about to get. Well, to he's it. about to tell us. Um, so, like, I would never say that. Like, for example, I think there should be limits. Um, I think Biden is too old to be president of the United States. Um, 
for, for a few different reasons. Um, but from a cognitive impairment perspective, I think Trump is also disqualified. And the reason I say that is because, like, if you haven't listened to the entirety of it, go and listen to the entirety of it. Because there are things that he says that that are just a, an individual grasping at reason and missing it every time. For example, there is one part where he says there are many things that are that are coming that are going to be certified. They're going to be certified. Um, they're certified. Well, they will be certified, but they are certified. He actually says that. They are certified, but they will be certified, and they are certified. He says those three things in succession, which is startling. Um, he also, like, th there are so many things. There's a plethora of things. I've, I would, I would encourage anyone who hasn't listened to the entirety of it to just sit and listen to the unedited entirety of the call. It is startling. Well, so the only thing I'd say about that because i have heard the call um i don't know if i've heard the entirety of the call yeah. i'm doing it right now like did you hear i just did what you accused trump of like i've heard the call I, I i don't know if i've heard the entirety of the call but i've heard the call like i just did the same thing so i want to say this is how people are inclined to speak sometimes but uh, so i am pretty sure i've heard the call i think i may have heard the whole call if i did i i certainly wasn't focusing on those points um but i mean you could pick a tuesday like he does that every time he speaks so I, I wouldn't say it's a cognitive issue so much as, uh, I mean, not even trying to defend Trump on this. I don't care. It, it just seems like, it, it just seems like, well, you know, it's like what, how he's like, this will be great. And it's going to be great, but we're going to make it great. Like he does that like every time he says anything. So I think. That's oh, like, no. Just yeah. Like no, yeah. yeah. No, I think. Well, I, well hang on. Yeah. Hang on. Well, I don't think what I was really going to say is uh, what, what I was really going to say is if, if it was because I have, I don't remember. I wasn't listening for this, but I'm only thinking if he says it was certified, but it's going to be certified. Could he have been talking about, for example, like Pennsylvania, like how or, or whatever, like the, the places that certify it, like the, the state certifies it, they send it to the Capitol where the Congress has to certify it. So could that be correct that if he's saying it, it is certified, meaning at the state level, it's going to be certified, meaning at the federal level, could that be a thing? Um, I think that that would require a, a hat of charitability I don't possess. Um, so, yeah, but it's not okay. So then one other, and I'm not looking to do this just to, just to, to bash Trump. There's like, he doesn't need help doing that. He does it all by himself. Um, and like I said, I preface this by saying, I think, I think Biden is equally in a position where he shouldn't be president either. Way more. Well, can you explain? Um, so what issue did but, you have with that phone call? Well, I'm that, that I'm just listing some of them, but like I said, I don't okay, have you, the whole, you go back to the I don't have, just restate yeah, I don't have, yeah, I don't have an eidetic memory. Uh, my wife has a photographic memory, but I'm not as fortunate that, as she okay. is. Yeah, that's so, so you're saying you don't remember the first point. So, okay, so what I would say, no, what I would say is, is go back and listen to the entirety of it. The first point I did, that I made I did, was, I did. the first point that I made was the whole, you know, they, they are certified, but they will be certified, but they are certified. There's what that one thing. The other thing that I found interesting. That shows cognitive impairment. Did you just say it, that? In, in my, in my opinion, it does. Um, and Based so what, what kind of impairment is that? Um, I, a failure to have a firm grasp on reality. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, hold on. Okay, uh, how how does that demonstrate a failure to have a clear grasp on reality? Okay, so what part of reality be... wasn't he clearly grasping? Guys, as Whether much as I love something... this, I actually don't have the time to get into it. Uh, <laughs> but it's I, okay. It's okay. I do. I do appreciate. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious I'm, too. Yeah. I mean, I I would. <laughs> 
I mean, I guess you guys are all moderators. You can continue, but I got to run. I mean, I guess, yeah, keep it going. Well, I'm not a yeah, moderator. Wait, wait, I'd right. like to be a moderator. It's always nice to be a moderator, but I'm not a moderator. I'm just a, I'll make you a moderator. <laughs> you are, you're not a moderator, but you want to be a moderator, but you like to be a moderator. And I, I mean, and, and, and Michael, to be fair, like, the most glaring example of this is Kamala Harris. Like, she, like Gosh, if you want terrible. the poster... If you want the poster child for this, like, that's her. Have you heard anything she's ever said? She's like, it will be great because it's going to be great, and we're going to make it great, and it's going to be great, and it's great. Great? Like, like, like uh, school uh, buses. Uh, oh, no. Oh. I would say that. No, I, and then I, and I would say this. Yeah, what? Well, well, so if can I you heard. go back to the clear grasp on reality, though? We don't want to leave that on. Before I got to go, let me throw take in the room. How many babies would Trump put in a blender in order to be president? You know, that was a funny question. All right, all right. That was probably less than the left. Um, I would put so many babies in a blender like none, like you've never heard before. That's how many babies I would put in a blender. It would be the best blender. It would be the best blender. It would be the best. It would be the best blender. Everyone says it's the best blender. Absolutely. Yeah. That was one of the other things that I found that was interesting that he said was when he said. Go back to the other thing. Hang on. I'm sorry. What I was going to.